0: Hello, and welcome to the DH Effect. My name is Sonia, and this is my beautiful co-host, Hillary. Our focus this month is on our very special heart method of companioning through challenging times. Our guest today is an expert at walking alongside parents (laughs) and helping them do the same for their littles.
1: You know, Sharon Silver is one of our very, very favorite humans, and she's been a personal mentor and friend to me for years. (laughs) She is actually one of our most listened to podcasts from when we first started. In fact, she was number 10. And I think Sonia is at like number 87 or something right now. So it's crazy. And she shared with us then this idea how her her journey really started to becoming a parenting expert when she almost ended up slapping her son. And she realized, oh my gosh, I'm repeating a pattern I don't want to. And she knew things had to change. So she's had so much training Such an extensive, beautiful career that led her to writing Stop Reacting and Start Responding, 108 Ways to Transform Behavior and Into Learning Moments. And voila, Proactive Parenting was also born. Thank you so much for taking time with us today, Sharon.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me. And these two women are two of my very favorites. There is nothing about them that is not authentic and connecting and filled with wisdom. So it's my delight. Thank you.
0: Oh my gosh, Sharon! Thank you for honoring us. That was so touching. Well, you know, I was just sh- sharing before for our show. You know, reacting, responding, and and what that difference is. And um, I in, in the work that I do, uh, and also as Hillary and um, her work, we're still seeing parents and parents of teens. So they've been doing this. F- reacting for a long period of time, they're they're still in in panic and, you know, the the word responding isn't settling in, even though we hear the positive parenting, the listening, the being more silent. And we would just love for you to start off.
2: What does it mean to be a proactive parent? Oh, I have so much to say about this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Let's start by saying, excuse me, Being reactive is born from a wound that occurred in childhood. But when you're responsive, it's a transformative choice that you're making. So having said that, I agree with you. What every parent out there is experiencing right now, uh, it came to a head during the pandemic, and now we cannot put it back under the covers. And what we're finding is there's a disconnect between what our head wants, what our head knows we need to do, which is respond, and the truth of our reacting. There's a disconnect there. And the first thing I want to say to parents is you're human. Mm. And it's okay if you yell because it has a benefit. It's not okay if you yell consistently and constantly. It's not okay if you shame and blame and harm. But if you lose it every once in a while, think about what you're teaching your child. I'm human. You pushed me too far. You stepped over the boundary. I was wrong. I yelled. But what that does for a child is it shows them, especially teens, that we all make mistakes. This is how you recover from it. So this is the companioning that we need to be doing with our children, is being honest about who we are and how we feel and what our boundaries are. And that's the way we craft that, the way we respond to that. That's where the work is. So it's twofold and the disconnect is starting to come together. We have to look at our reactions. What's producing that inside of me? Where did my reaction come from? Did it come from this moment or did it come because it was a trigger for my childhood? And then, so that's a separate act from how you handle it with your child. Does that make sense? Oh, for sure.
1: It, it does. And it's so funny. I had a, I had a client yesterday. This always seems to work that, that what is going on in yeah. our personal lives then yeah. merges with the business. And so you being on, it's really bringing up, uh, I had a client yesterday and it was so interesting. Her response, her reaction to her kids put her in this place of anxiety. She was reacting to one of their, they were being anxious. So then she mm-hmm. became anxious mm-hmm. and obviously that was a wound of hers. And the, the express, she was like, oh, it's too late. And I, you know, I've already oh. messed it up. And I said, well, what is preventing you from calling her up and saying, you know, I'm thinking about what happened yesterday and we both got caught up in being anxious. And I think we can do better. Let's do that together. And then they have this beautiful conversation yeah. where it was a learning moment instead Absolutely. of, well, it's too late. I messed up.
2: Right. I mean, I think that when somebody says that, and parents say that to me all the time, is it too late? I said, you're not dead yet. Neither is the other person. So it's not too late. Every single adult relationship we have, there's a moment where we make amends or we come together or we connect and we respond. Why is that not extended to our children? Mm -hmm. And the bigger thing, the reason I'm in business, the reason it's so incredibly important to me to do this is where in the world do we get the idea that we can be this way with our kids? Mm. We're setting the foundation for their future. And what I mean by that is that everything you pour into them gives them the safety they need so they can risk making a change when you ask them to or when life asks them to. Mm. So there's going to be withdrawals that come from that foundation. So we need to put the foundation in early, which is why I work in early childhood. Because that's the easiest time to make these changes. It's the easiest time to be creative. When you get to a teenager, it's more complicated, but it's still doable. Wow. Yeah.
0: Can you, I mean, this reminds me of um, your story and not, not everyone knows that story if you don't mind sharing, but you said something really powerful about moving from real the realization where your child, um, retreated from you and the realization of moving from, wait, does my child trust me or does he fear me? Do you mind going back and kind of explaining that moment?
2: Not at all. Um, I tell the story in context with um, another story that I'm happy to share as well. But there was a time when my son was three and I had a newborn and it was a rainy afternoon. We'd been stuck in the house for, I guess, a week. And so he finally had had enough and I had had enough. So the morning was contentious and whiny and all that. And I realized that the only way to change this was for me to reach out and connect with him. And so I reached out to give him a hug and he retracted for me. His unconscious reaction was he feared me. And I began to cry because I realized I turned my beautiful child's love for me and trust in me into fear of me because I was so agitated. And things changed from that moment forward. I couldn't do anything but find ways to change this. But here's the key. And this is where the disconnect is. We have forgotten our authority. We have forgotten we need to reframe our authority into a mindful authority. But authority, nonetheless, we are their parents. It's our job to give them these lessons, learning moments.
1: So we have to reframe. I I think that's so powerful because I I think people assume, I mean, I run into this time and time again, and I'd love to have you speak to this (laughs) where boundaries and and, and authority are seen as being mean, that you have to be mean and you can be firm and kind. And it actually feels safer because kids don't want to, they, they don't want to feel like we get, anxious as humans, I get anxious. And I think we all do when we don't know when things are shifting on us when we're yeah. not sure what we can count on. Yeah. But when we know where the line is, and we trust that our parents won't let us cross it. Yeah. we actually have more freedom.
2: You have more freedom. And you also have the ability to be a child and the freedom to let the adults be the adults, you be the child. I just posted that and I, it's really, really important. But the boundaries, here's again where the disconnect comes in and where the companioning is the solution. The disconnect is that I have to be mean in order to lay a boundary. Let me tell you a really short story. So, we lived in a small town, very, very small town. Everybody knew each other. So, when my kids went outside to play, if something happened, all the women were out and they could see in the window and they knew exactly who had done what. Well, one day, my son missed a baseball and went careening into the neighbor's front window. So we, of course, have a big drama and we have all these things. And the bottom line was, sweetie, the boundaries, you have to say you're sorry. And we have to go and tell them how you're going to pay for this. Mm-hmm. But here's how I handled it. I was firm with my authority. Yes, you have to do this. But here's where you have your choices. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to come with you? Do you want to do it yourself? Do you want me to stand beside you or behind you? Do you want me to ring the doorbell or would you like to do it? Would you like me to start the apology and you come in? What do you need? But yes, you need to do it. And Mm -hmm. that stops a child from withdrawing inside themselves because they're trying to hide from your intensity, the intensity of your yelling. So it gives you a way to connect, but still be the authority. Oh my gosh.
0: This is so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm celebrating the knowledge here because, you know, with this month, the DH effect, our theme is, um, companioning with a decided heart and it does take these two things. One is that detachment and then that de- detachment is a, is a great word and, and definition mm-hmm. in the decided heart world, not detach. I'm disconnected and, and, and not, um, you know, my emotions are dis- are disconnected, but that I'm detaching from your experience because my child's experience is not mine.
2: There you go. That's it's that's dignity, the, yeah.
0: And a word that really has come up for us is dignity. Mm-hmm. And I'm giving my child the dignity and mm-hmm. communicating, you are so capable yes. of solving your life experiences and these yes. and these challenges. And Sharon, what you just illustrated was, and I will be there to guide and mentor you through the yes. choices that you have because you can do it. Yes, and and that was just such a, a beautiful way of. I am your guide and mentor in life. There is some authoritative and boundaries so you can grow fully as your own. Yes. But I also allow you to experience
2: this as your own. See, I I told you they were wise. They got it. They got it. (laughs) Now, you know, that's a great thing. And we take it from our mind and our theory. And now we have to digest it. Mm -hmm. Now we have to matriculate it down into what is our reaction? What's our childhood bringing forward? What is it that is triggering us? Why am I not 1 million percent behind that and able to apply it? So mm-hmm. that now becomes your work. That's the companioning you do for yourself. Mm-hmm. So you can become whole. And as you stand wholly in front of your child, then they start to trust themselves because they realize she's got it. She's got it. Mm-hmm. Not the opposite, which is a mixed message that comes with doing what you originally started this with, which is I have to be mean, because when you yell at your child consistently as you're correcting them, they have no choice but to psychologically withdraw inward to protect themselves from the intensity of your yelling. When that happens, that's what they're paying attention to. They don't hear you. So when you are calm, your truth, or as I was always told to me, the truth holds its own weight. Your calmness, delivering that truth is what is firmer than the yelling. It's only because the child is able to be present and because you are able to be present.
1: I think that's so important, Sharon. And I I think this is a great opportunity to also talk about it, it is human nature for our own egos to get involved. Right. Yes. And so we do have to remind ourselves like, oh, I'm feeling this. Why am I feeling this? <laughs> what you know, is this a wound? Is this me being embarrassed because I want my neighbor to like me? Like, what's going on? Yeah. And part of that detachment, I think that's really important. And this is a stumbling block I have and I see in other people time and time and time again. We don't have to reacting is an immediate thing. Mm-hmm. We're, bonding does not have to take place in that same moment that pause is so important it's okay I see people beat themselves up because they're like oh I wish in the moment I had the words and I'm like you don't have to the detachment can sound like you know this is something really important that I want us to talk about but I'm gonna need a minute so why don't we like both take five minutes whatever it is Take a breath and then we'll come back and have this discussion, forcing yourself to try to be detached and to yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on this spot. That's, that's too much.
2: It's a lot of pressure to try and override your own triggers that are so entrenched inside of you in order to come up with the perfect words. Um, here's what I'd like to offer your listeners. The bottom line is consider silence a word. Consider the sacred pause—an expression. When my kids were being raised, I played with this. They hated when they were my guinea pigs, but they signed up for it. What could I tell you? Mm. Um, So it comes time for the arguing years. Let me just put it to you that way. And (laughs) (laughs) it's—you know—it's that moment where it's like I'm gonna launch at you. I can't stop it, and. I had to. So I began to play with silence. And about three weeks ago, my son came over with his wife. He's married now. Uh, One of them is. And I was sitting there in silence. My arms were crossed. And he said, how did you respond to that? And he said, I don't even need to ask her. Look at her face. She's not talking. That's the face. That's the silence. That's the body language. It stayed with him as a part of the process for his entire life. And it gave me that sacred moment to calm myself down, gather my thoughts, and decide which way is this going to go. Sometimes it's okay to say, have you lost your mind? (laughs) Because you just need to. There's nothing that you can say as long as it's not attacking the spirit shaming the child or blaming the child, thats off limits. You can always say, well, I'm not happy I said that. Yeah.
0: I, this is, I'm recalling a conversation I had with a mother of a teen about college planning. And she, it's, it, that is like this magical moment of, you know, she's at, in front of this wall because of the arguing years. Yeah. <laughs> and she's really up close to the wall. <laughs> and the wall is getting thicker and so she's like, well, I'm just going to have to have a hammer now. And so she's hammering down the wall and yeah. it's getting thicker and so she's like, well, I'm just going to have to get a drill and the the you know the the power of the yelling and the disciplining yeah. and I'm, yeah. And so um uh, we we use these two questions in terms of our heart method is what would it feel like if you stepped back from the wall? What mm-hmm. would it look like if you stepped back from the wall?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: through this conversation of being so up close and just taking three steps back. And she realized like, oh, wait, I could just walk around the wall. (laughs) Like, Oh, there's these, these, these options of not going through it, but around it, what is behind on the other side? And this is basically what you're saying in terms of companioning ourselves. I, I think that's such a huge realization for us parents.
2: Yes. Is the work of parenting should is starts with, with us. It does it really does. um I always knew that I was it, being a bomb was in my soul. It was almost like I knew who I was going to be, and I knew I was going to be a teacher from the time I was about four, and my whole family tells that story, so yeah, she was a teacher, she had her chalkboard, she had her desk, she taught her stuffed animals. We just didn't know she was not going to be a school teacher um, so when certain things happened in my life and parenting became my life, all of a sudden things began to bubble up that I was unfamiliar with. They were wounds that were red flags. They were being caused by my anger. My anger was unresolved. So when I tell parents it's okay to be angry, it's okay if you look at it as your personal red flag. What is preventing me from walking around that wall? What is, prevent, what is causing me to think I need a jackhammer to go through it? What would happen if I did that? What would happen to our relationship? And would he ever be able to accept my apology and be willing to come to Thanksgiving if I continued with a jackhammer in his wall?
1: You know, I, I think that's so important that this silence. Um, I, I feel like the sacred silence is vital to so many things. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this, and I'm recalling something very, very different that happened with my daughter around silence as well. And it was just recent, we were doing a college tour and because silence is actually the second part or part of the first part for us in, in uh, the heart method, which is companioning, you know, when we hold space, Mm -hmm. open the door by asking the question, but then holding space means also being silent. Mm -hmm. So yes, we can be silent to collect ourselves, but also silent to allow someone else to be able to collect their thoughts and it can feel i think we forget first of all as oftentimes women i'm going to pick on women but it's not just women silence freaks us out and we feel like we have to fill silence and so we start talking and then we bring things in a different direction and it can frustrate people people need time to be able to assimilate their own truth to be able to articulate their own truth and we all think differently so my daughter we're looking at a college and at the we looked at two in one day and this is we've practiced this you know for years, since she was little. And so probably five seconds into me starting to ask some questions, she said, mom, I know that you process out loud, but I don't. And so here's what I'm going to tell you. I don't want you to ask me any questions until the end of the day. At the end of the day, she said, let me think, let me process, let me come up with my thoughts so that I'm not changed by what you're saying. Wow. And then tonight, can we sit down in this? We happen to be in Santa Barbara. She's like, can we sit down to dinner? And then you can ask away. But she said, I just need to be able to process because that's how she said, I do it here. You speak.
2: Wow. That is so grown up. Well done, Hillary. (laughs) Because I mean, seriously, because when my son when, when we visited colleges, I got the exact opposite of that. He wasn't able to articulate what he was feeling. So he lashed out. Mm-hmm. And so it was a miserable tour. There was lots of arguing and there was lots of, until I finally realized the boy is leaving home. He's scared to death. He doesn't want to accept this. And he doesn't want me to rattle on and prattle on about what a good idea this is because he didn't want to go. Now, eventually he did and he loved it. And that was, you know, but still that was that moment. But the silence that you give the child also sends another really important message. And that is, sweetheart, tag, your it. Uh-huh. So I'm going to ask you a question and then I'm going to be silent. And this is where as women, and I'll pick on women, as <laughs> women process things out loud, just as your daughter clearly knew. We need to hear ourselves process it. So we want to like, let's get the ball rolling, especially if it's our son. Let's let's move this thing along. You know, I'll ask you some questions. So your companioning of yourself is saying, be quiet. Just be quiet. (laughs) You're in the now. Give them space. Be quiet. So that's how you talk to yourself. And that says to the child, she's not interrupting me. I'm not getting off the hook here. This works with discipline. This works with every age child. It's understanding what it is you're doing and how it's impacting the other person. Mm. And what is your goal here? What is your goal to harm, blame, shame, punish, or is your goal to resolve, teach and, and support the learning moment? For sure. Sharon, I just feel
0: like you are a universal need if you know, If we're we're a parent, whether we're a coach, if we're responsible for young ones, whether it's a parent, a teacher, you know, a mentor, a volunteer, we don't know that we have these biases and these habits of reaction. And we don't know how to coach ourselves because that to me, that is the the magic is when these experiences happen and we like, oh, I identify a trigger and then you're coaching yourself through it. Right. Well, that takes... That takes you
1: to (laughs) coach us (laughs) to
0: identify like, oh, I've been working on this. Okay. Forgive yourself, Sonia. It's okay. Forgive yourself. You're still in it. You're still in the game. Oh, stay silent. Like that's, I think that's something I'd love, you know, all of our audience and listeners to hear is. There's some work to be involved. We can't just suddenly shift and say, Oh, I hear Sharon,
2: I'm not going to be responsive. Right. That, you know, um, there's personal responsibility. There is, I tell people, I am an expert in parenting, but you're the expert on you and your child. Mm -hmm. And I've never met you. Look, I'm looking at you through a camera. So I'm going to give you the skills. And then it dawned on me, well, wait, we need an opportunity where we can talk together. So I created two things. One is going to be out hopefully by the end of July called the motherhood lab it's called the foundation and there you will find all the skills that you need to to help you through this process and then twice a year i'm going to do a live event i'm Mm -hmm. not sure how many days it'll be but it's going to be the same work but built into it will be coaching sessions so you take the work you apply it you come back and you go well that didn't work and i'll say okay tell me why and let's process it we process it in front of all the rest of the women the women have their support, their wisdom, and we all start to see we're pretty much in the same boat. These things are coming up as a result of the pandemic. These things are bubbling up as a result of our world situation. These things are bubbling up. We have no choice here. Have you noticed that these things, I had them neatly tucked into a a closet with a padlock on it. And then during the pan- ten- pandemic, the padlock was ripped off mm. and all kinds of stuff has been coming out of the closet, you know? So right. I'm not the only one. So I think that's what we need. Thank you so much for offering that to the
1: world. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Thank and you. Yeah. And and I think, I mean, but, but even before that, as we're waiting for that, I mean, can you share a little bit about, about your book?
2: I know somebody who read it before it was even out. I don't know. She did. Yes, she did. I've known her that long. And we look just fabulous. Oh, yes. Um, (laughs) um, So I think it's had two revisions since then. But the idea was pretty much along the same lines. The book, what I wanted was it to be real daily life situations that parents could get really bite-sized tips for and move on. So there's a tremendous amount of theory out there. And I love theory. I am ravenous for it. I'm a reader. But theory doesn't help you when you're reacting. Theory doesn't help you when you're triggered. Theory is not going to stop you when you're screaming at your child. So you need a bite-sized hit so you know what to say. And there's sample conversations in there so you know what to say.
1: You know, I have to say that's something that resonated with me way back when we met. Way back, Sharon, when we met. (laughs) Uh, was, Hillary, stop it. <laughs> I know. Sorry, sorry. But but when uh I remember, well, I'm just thinking, I have a 19-year-old and I remember talking to you about my when he was seven. Like I remember these conversations of like, oh crap, what do I do? And I remember you going, like, let go of the rubber band. Um, <laughs> that image is just still so clear to me. But I think that. I, you know, what I'm what I'm uh, resonating with and wanting others to hear that I love about you is, you know, again, theory. One of the things that you studied was love and logic, which many of us are familiar with love and logic. And I took all of the love and logic classes. I went to see um, Jim Frey's kid, uh, Charles Charles, um, uh, and all of that. And I thought, oh, this is fantastic. But there was something that didn't quite yes. fit and what I love for anybody who's familiar with the, that parenting style, what I love is when I talk to you, you're like, you know what didn't sit with me is that I am, and Sonia, you're going to love this because this is all Sonia, is I am also a nurturer. It was created by men and yeah. it's fantastic for men, yeah, but yeah. the women or men who have more nurturing sides, right. it was almost turning away from something that was essentially who they were yeah. and making it inauthentic. Yes. And so I almost, I feel like your proactive parenting allows for those love and logic, but with so much heart.
2: Yeah, um, that was definitely something. That was why I left love and logic was I love the work. And what it taught me is everything. I mean, I, I studied Monda Gerber and I studied um, you know positive parenting and I have certificates in all of them. But what I realized, and just like parenting, is a piece of my life shows up, I learned from it and folded into the whole. And Love and Logic was one that I folded into the whole because it taught me about boundaries, the clarity of boundaries, the clarity of what you can enforce and what you cannot enforce. What I didn't like exactly, as you said, was for men, it was linear, it was logical, it was cut and dry. For women, it's not that cut and dry. And so I had to find a way to be intuitive, empathetic and surround it with heart. And that brought me to my own personal spiritual studies and defining that for myself and saying, okay, at some point, you're going to have to companion yourself, reach past what others say, reach into your soul and say, what is it you want to express? Who are you? And how does this manifest? And that has taken years. And now the Motherhood Lab is a reflection of that. It is 100%. Let's do this with authority, but empathetic. Mindful, authentic. Mm. You can say to your child, This sucks. I wouldn't want to do it. And I'm so sorry you have to. And you have to. Mm. So, how do we make it better? Mm. Love it.
0: I'm also thinking about, you know, just what a better human being in every role we have with every human we have, whether it's a yeah. child or a coworker, you know, yeah. or a partner. I mean, such a, a tool. Now we have a book, we have your um, two in-person events. We've got online, the Motherhood Lab. I, we need it all. <laughs> so uh, I just want to make sure that our people know where do they go to to get all of these things.
2: Proactiveparenting.net if I could change it back to .com I would but I can't so it's mm-hmm. dot .net. <laughs> like a net, where it's a net catching, right? Oh, yes. I love that.
1: Mm-hmm. There we better. go. It's better. I'm grabbing it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I want to thank you so much for being on. I have to tell our, our listeners, you know, two of my favorite moms on here, so intuitive. I mean, Sonia, you as well. Uh, I love whenever we have parenting um discussions or anything. These things are so intuitive for her, for, for Sonia. And yet she gets so excited because when she hears like, you're, you're like, Oh yeah. And there's, and there is a framework for that. And she's like, dang, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? um, it's something. And so I hope that people who are listening right now are hearing. Um, yeah. There are some, some things that we need to work on maybe and some growth and some responsibility, But also, I I really hope that everybody is hearing that there are things you are doing right. And there are beautiful things about who you are as a parent. And as my grandma would say, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Please hold on to your intuition. Please hold on to your heart. It is a guiding factor here. Just because I suggest it or anyone else in the webs suggests it doesn't mean you have to do it. If it doesn't sit right with you, throw it away. I'm the first person to say, you don't like what I say, throw it away. You're the expert.
0: Mm. Love that honor. You know, you just really honor the individual and you're celebrating everything that they know about them and their relationship with their child. Um, And it is, it takes practice. It takes experimentation. And uh, again, that voice of let it go. It's okay. Forgive yourself. You messed up this one time. You know, it's not forever. You don't label
2: yourself that you're just, you know, messing up. You can change. And that's what people in the net are trying to get you to (laughs) to know is we can hold you, you know, there may be a framework, but the framework is guiding you towards your own companioning and your own intuition. So I'm not going to give you things that are foreign to you. And that's the first thing. And the last thing I want to say is when you reach out for parenting help, you are not acknowledging that you're a failure far on the exact opposite. You are acknowledging it's time for you to grow and I applaud you. And that's what everybody needs. Hmm.
0: Just want to sit in that silence. What a beautiful way to end this episode. Thank you so much Sharon for your wisdom and insight. I through a screen, I just feel so much love and <laughs> I thank you for that. You are filling my cup. Thank you everyone to our listeners for joining us for this episode. Be sure to follow us on all the social media platforms we're going to have Sharon's media platform links on our all of our sites as well subscribe to your favorite podcast platform or YouTube so you never miss an episode and you can check out our website at the for great opportunities to learn how to walk alongside others through their struggles and how to companion ourselves first that uh, Sharon has helped us find some insight <laughs> <laughs> until next time
1: May you have the courage to live with a decided heart. Thanks for taking a beat with us. Feel free to connect with us at the and schedule your complimentary discovery call to help you and your business thrive.